Tama Lorenzo. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the T in your tea lab, Tom Pichon. I'm here with the low in your tea lab, Lorenzo. My husband, my husband. I think I should have put some humidifiers on up in this joint because I can tell my voice is really, really dry. Oh. Our loft at uh, this time of year because of our heat. And mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's an old building, whatever. But we have to have two humidifiers going up. Pretty much from December to March because our skin dries out, our voices dry out. And I don't know how I got on that topic. You're looking oh, yeah. at me like, what? This You're... isn't what we discussed. No, yeah, but that's your thing. You always turn them on, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. Hmm, because I'm smart that way. <laughs> um, keeps you moisturized. That is we true. Are, I am riding such a high right now because... We um, averted Christmas disaster at the last minute. And I mean, we diverted beautifully. The end result was so good. Right, right, um, right. My family does a Pollyanna every year. I'm a, we come from a large, sprawling family. I'm one of six siblings. And then there's a ton of nieces and nephews, most of whom are at or near adult age. Anyway, um, but this, we always got together, always, all every it. year, Christmas Eve, at the whole clan, and we exchange gifts and stuff our faces, and that was basically our family Christmas on Christmas Eve. Well, obviously, that is not happening for us this year, um, so we are not getting together, but my siblings and I decided to do a household Pollyanna thing, so names were picked, and you are... To basically fill a box with little gifts for that household, not for any individual Which was person. It's a lovely in it. idea. I it was actually a yeah. lot of fun, and it frees you up. And oh, and the uh, the one rule was nobody's allowed to ask for anything. There's no wish lists. It's up to the to the you know person who has you to figure out what to get you. The the thing is that we come from a tradition where we would uh, give gifts to everybody and then it got very expensive it got because more and more children were being yes, born yes. so then we <laughs> Irish, then Irish we switched Catholic. to pollyanna now we're like a basket for family next year we're just gonna yeah say, we're just gonna say merry christmas we're just gonna say happy holidays. no <laughs> uh, we we love to give gifts so now we do my god um, we do. yes and my sister maggie came by uh a couple days ago she uh is a frontline nurse who yes. she Yay. got covid and and has the antibodies and also got the vaccine so um she was our first uh in-house guest without masks on right since february and it was wonderful to it see was really her. nice to have someone we, in the house i know it was so weird to open the door for someone and have a guest and then you know what do you want to drink it was, it was weird odd. the whole thing it's weird because we haven't seen anybody except you know the comcast guy and <laughs> basically yeah basically, nobody's been in like, this loft uh except for a cable guy and a plumber. Yes. In that, the last ten months, we told them to not even talk to us; just stay very. We far basically from hung us. our heads out the window while they were doing their work. Seriously, Seriously we I'm sat by open windows with bands blowing on us. <laughs> Bitch, it's why we're still here. All right. <laughs> it's true. It's well, whatever. And, and one of the, I remember one of the guys walking towards me. I was like, no, no offense, but anyway, we're going stay off. There. No, we're going all over the topic, all over the map here. So uh, my sister came by earlier this week, um, and she dropped off. She had us for Pollyanna and she dropped off the loveliest the gift basket for yeah, us basket, um, yeah. and um, I can say this because uh, she's getting her gifts later today and I doubt she's going to hear this podcast before then I have my other sister 
And um, also a lovely basket. Uh, we well, yes, bought a bunch of different things for her household. For um, she said because she has two little girls, and everybody buys for her little girls, so we have gifts for them. So when the Pollyannas were picked, she said, "Don't buy gifts for my little girls for this household thing. It's gifts for me and my husband because you're all going to buy gifts for them." And it's a tough year. We need gifts. <laughs> um, so no, I thought that was fair. No, um, yeah, absolutely. So. One of the, and it, you know the whole focus was on, you know, trying to put little handmade gifts in there, and if you right. can do something, you're like um, cookies or whatever. So Lorenzo sews, and for many many years he used to make throw pillows for my mother. She used to basically order them from her. She would buy fabrics and say, "Could you make a bunch of throw and pillows curtains. for my couch?" Don't forget the curtains. So uh, a month ago, I was like, "Lorenzo, we have my sister. Let's." Why don't you make a, a Christmas pillow for her? That's one of the gifts we can do. So we ordered Christmas fabric literally almost a month ago. It was like, I think it was December 1st or so. Uh, it hasn't arrived. Um, and so, and then the other thing was we ordered a personalized ornament for them, which again, I'm giving this away, but she'll, she'll probably get it at some point in February. Um, but that exactly. also hasn't arrived. So we had a scramble. We kept, right. it, and oh, the, um, the uh, updates we were getting for both of these items was will be delivered by the end of the day, December 22nd, which is really bringing it down to the wire. And, you know, by yesterday, we were like, "There's this is not happening. And this was a big chunk of what we were giving her. And now there's kind of a hole right. uh, in their gift. So um, I scrambled last night. We, um, we, uh, for our Christmas dinner, I bought all the makings for uh, butternut squash and sage lasagna. It's a Martha Stewart recipe. I've been making it for years. You it's can go amazing. find it on her site. It's amazing. I make it with handmade noodles. I make the noodles myself. So I look, the gross, we also had grocery drama this past week, but I won't bore you with that. <laughs> I mean, we almost had no food for Christmas. It, it's been because we had grocery drama, I wound up over ordering all the ingredients for the lasagna and I had twice as much as I needed and I know my sister I've served it to her I know my sister loves this lasagna so I basically between last night and this morning made a whole ass lasagna from scratch noodles and all and that's going to be part of her and I just love we we wrapped it up in a bow and right. we put I mean Christmas we do have other gifts it. but we we had to I don't know a Make some substitution. Yeah, and I, no, I, I honestly, I think she's going to love this. Um, right. She's, like so many, she's working from home. She's got a very demanding job, and she's got a seven-year-old and a three-year-old uh, who are also home all day. Right. So I think handing her, here, here's a fabulous meal from scratch. Put it in your freezer and pull it out when you want. I think she's going to love it. And... Um, then Lorenzo and I put together this lovely box and we wrapped it and all the other little gifts are in it. So we're very happy. We, we literally finished just like 20 minutes ago right. having averted disaster, which is why we're so excited. Right. I mean, it's I the know same, you're bored. I, Whatever. It, it's the same thing with your gifts. I mean, I'm still waiting on two gifts for him. Um, and it's upsetting and I was annoyed and I was really the frustrated. The post office is screwed up. The post office screwed up, but I've been reading several articles about it. Uh, great articles, actually. And, and you know... I went from being annoyed with the post office, with the companies, but, you know, to, like, I'm, I, I feel bad for them because nobody was expecting this kind of a year. Uh, there's a ton more orders from everywhere, so they're overwhelmed. And the post office has been gutted. Right, exactly. And, and because of COVID, a lot of people are not coming to work, uh, according to the articles I read. Um, so everything is delayed. I mean, all the stuff, 
And you can say, well, you guys should have ordered something, you know, everything way ahead of time. We did. I mean, some of the stuff I bought, it was like beginning of December, end of, of November, beginning right. of December. Uh, I have, I ordered something from New York, um, beginning of December, and it's still not here. Yeah. Um, it's just weird and screwed up. Uh, I feel bad. You were saying that people on Etsy were getting bad reviews, right? Yeah, all these vendors on Etsy are getting one-star reviews Which because is awful. they're not yeah. able to fulfill their orders. I understand the frustration, but it, it, it sucks for them because it's not their fault. Um, I'm assuming it isn't. It's, you know, it's just everything is delayed. I ordered um, something from Etsy a month ago. It still has not arrived. Right. And um, I don't think it's this person's fault. I think it's stuck right, in, right. The, in the uh, so I guess, ether so, somewhere. He's going to get most of his gift, but some are going to arrive later, which is fine. You know, which is just a tough year. We just have to make it work. Make it work. And um, we are. <laughs> and we are. I mean, we're going to have a, a lovely little... It's weird. It's definitely weird for people who are used to being around family and friends at this time of year. It is What we're what we're doing is weird. But we're, we're Zooming on Christmas Eve with all of the family. So it'll right, be a big right. mass be, Zoom event. And then... Um, Christmas Day, it's just the two of us, and I, like I said, I'm, I have I already made the lasagna. I made it this morning. It's in the freezer, so I don't have to do a damn thing. We baked a bunch of cookies, and we're giving cookies away to people. And um, Christmas Eve is basically just nosh, right. and it's right. I won't even lie. I mean, some of it's like frozen at hors d'oeves and stuff like that. You which made is fine by you me. made incredible cookies. He makes an an amazing one. It's his mother's recipe. Well we posted on Twitter and Instagram the recipe and it's just the most amazing cookie. They uh, are and they this are. year we cut them out in the shape of cats. Yes, you can see pictures on Instagram. We're those gays. That's who we are. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's <laughs> it's been rushed and, and stressful but also fun. Uh, the whole place is decorated, as we told you guys. Insanely before. decorated. Insanely so decorated. over the top. Yeah, his it's, sister, it's his sister was I, here. This year is Christmas at the White House. I know. Except, you know, the White House always looks scary <laughs> at Christmas. The list. older version of the White House, not the recent. Exactly. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> so his sister was here, and she was like, oh, my God, your place looks amazing. It's just that, listen, we, it, it's not like we bought a ton of stuff. I mean, we have, we've had this stuff for many, many years. We've accumulated stuff over 25 yes, years. Yes, And so, we take... Honestly, we take incredibly good care of all right. of our Christmas stuff. The only thing we bought this year that I'm very proud of, it's a new train. We bought a new tra a Christmas train Christmas set. Christmas train set. Yes. Because we splurged, and, and I mean, one of the nice ones. You got so a really cute. good deal on it. Yes, but it, I did. I it did. wasn't a cheap set, but you got it for literally half price. But it's so price. cute. I love it. Yeah. I love it. It reminds me of my childhood. Uh, my mom used to buy them for me when I was a kid, so... You know, and don't ask me on. how we keep our cats away from all I this know. stuff. I don't yes, know. People they were just asking that. Yeah, they I have just no idea. do. Yes. Um, honestly, I think because we work from home and we're there, there's ne they're never more than ten feet away from us. So we're so simpatico. Right. Like if and this, I realize that this might sound unusual to most cat owners, but if I say no, they will stop what they're doing. They, I mean, they're that well trained. Right. You know. Um, I guess um, because we're home all the time and we talk to them a lot. Um, whatever they what we're doing, yes. Do. I mean, they really, they they literally know their names. I mean, like like yes. we have three cats, and if you say one name, that only one cat, turns that particular around. cat is gonna look at you. It's it's so funny. I guess it's, I well, I've I've read articles. It's not just the name; it's the way you pronounce it, the the how you know the yes. sound you make. Um, You're always supposed to say your cat's name in the same. If you do it in a sing songy way, you right. have to do it that same way all the time. And so that's how they learn their yeah. name. But Anyway, so it, it's 
We're doing the best we can. I'm I'm very happy and lucky that I have someone with me here because I my Same best here. my best friend is spending Christmas alone and I feel bad for him. Uh, I will spend some time talking to him and and uh, you know FaceTiming him. But I understand a lot of people don't have this uh, luxury. I'd no, say. Um, no, and we have friends who are um, right. you know single so, and alone this Christmas. And I mean, however hard we have it. Um, that's rough. So, and it's also rough for those, you know, like my sister who's got two kids. Right. Um, you know, she's struggling to keep their year as normal as possible to let them let their development continue in a normal manner, which is it, I mean, in, in a situation like this, are there, are the kids developing well? I mean, raising kids. So, I mean, everybody's got a difficult. Yeah. It's always difficult. And particularly this year, I mean, it's even worse. Anyway, we're getting off on. Anyway, no, but my point is that uh, it's been a tough year. I still remember March and my meltdown in March. Like, oh my god, are we gonna make it? And it's December. We we tried everything we could. We we were creative and and we, we did There's our a vaccine best. on the way. We did our best. There's a vaccine and um, your emails, your comments, and people appreciating the lounge every day. And I, I, I had so much fun looking for bars every day so that, you know, I, we could provide a place where everyone could talk. And, and it's just nice. Um, I think we, we're all, not just the two of us, but I think we're all doing the best we can. Agreed. So. Now, is there a point to this podcast? Yes. Aside from us <laughs> rambling and bragging oh God, and talking yeah. about boring stuff that you don't even want to hear. <laughs> um, we're actually going to do a little bit of a um, rundown of what you might want to watch. From the comfort of your home during this lockdown Yuletide, um, we have much to say on Bridgerton, which drops to uh, Christmas Day on yes. Netflix, uh, the Shonda Rhimes um, adaptation of a very successful romance novel series set in the Regency era, except it's super horny and everybody's hot. <laughs> um, we also... we. Um, we'll have a Wonder Woman 1984 rev- actual written review up on the site in a little bit today, today. Friday, uh, Wednesday. But uh, Lorenzo wants to weigh in because we both watched it last night. Oh, you want to start with Wonder Woman? No, no. I'm just talking about what we're going to talk about. Yes. Um, uh, and I have a few things I need to get off my chest about The Mandalorian. Oh, there one, you go. Um, and Tenet number two. That, oh, see, I didn't watch Tenet. Um, don't I could, even get me started. I could hear you um, watching it uh, on your computer. And I w- and it was funny. I came out of my the bedroom and I said, "That sounds really complicated." <laughs> Just listening to it, uh, it anyway. is and it isn't. Uh-huh. Um, I don't want to get. Tenet is the Christopher Nolan film that you know kind of kept popping up in the news all year long because he kept uh, refusing to put it on streaming and he kept pushing the opening date back it i mean like all christopher nolan films it was an enormous budget extravaganza and it was definitely um shot for a large screen he shoots for imax so it is you know these enormous vistas and everything and it was a film i watched a screener that was i had to watch from my computer i didn't even watch it on on tv and believe me that is not how christopher nolan intended it to be watched and he made but, it um, clear it's I I found it very empty. The whole th- experience of watching it is just very empty. The people are um, cartoon characters or or cardboard cutouts. None of them have real motivations, real backgrounds. And I mean, a lot of Nolan films are like that. He's 
he gets caught up in the uh, spectacle. He gets caught up in the mystery of his plot, and the plot is so unnecessarily Byzantine. Um, <laughs> and, and it's true. In the first 45 minutes to an hour, anybody sitting there is going, what is going on? But all I'll say is this. I have watched a lot of time travel movies and TV shows, and... Um, as I was watching it, I was very confused about what was going on, but it was very easy for me to figure out what the point was. In other words, I, I, I think this is in all of the reviews, so I don't think I'm giving anything away. The film itself is a palindrome, just like the title of the film. is. It's given away in the title. Um, and there's dialogue in the film that, that sort of gives away the fact that the second half of the film is going to be a mirror image of the first half of the film. And it's because of time travel. And that's largely how it plays out. And there's this, again, I'm not going to give anything away except for what, except it has to do with Robert Pattinson's character. And again, I was like, oh, is, is that what they're doing with that character? Because they did that on Doctor Who. Um, and it was just easy to figure out. So, yes, it's very confusing and mysterious in the first half. But if you know anything about time travel stories, you you're going to reach the middle point and know exactly how it's going to play out. So all of the revelations that happen in the second half are forecasted too early. I don't, and in the end, what looks like a really complicated story isn't actually at all. It's, it's simplistic. Uh, it's a basic James Bond and not a very good James Bond movie um, with just a time travel twist to it. And uh, what's his name? Kenneth Browning. Jesus Christ, does he tear up the scenery and spit it out? Horrible Russian accent. He's like this arms <laughs> dealer. It's just awful. And I'm sorry, Elizabeth Debicki, you don't put her in a movie like that. You don't put her in a movie, period, and not use her to full effect. She is gorgeous. She is and gorgeous. Charismatic and she's a great actress. And a very good yeah. actor. And she's just yeah. sort of background. She was A lot of her role was to be the tragic damsel. Um, and she's so much more than that. So, ugh, I didn't love Tenet. I'll get back to Mandalorian, because I have a few things to say about that, but I can already hear my voice trying out. So, anyway, so... Let's talk about... Let's start with Wonder Woman. One moment, yes, so... Without giving away spoilers, no, Lorenzo, no. tell me everything that you uh, felt. Here, the the great thing about Wonder, watching Wonder Woman with you is because you, you know everything about her. I know everything. You really do. You know do. everything about Wonder Woman, and I know nothing. So... It's this great uh, clash uh, watching it uh, because I, you know, I appreciate for <laughs> I appreciate the movie for what it is, what what I'm actually, you know, literally watching. Right, right, <laughs> there right. There is no reference for me. I, I I don't get any any bits and pieces of information here. There nothing, and I love it. Um, <clears throat> I love the first one. Love the second one. Um, really did love the way it opened. So with all these scenes uh, on the island, can I say that? I guess yes, you can. Yeah. Um, so so a fan so it is beautiful. Uh, it is great uh, to see all that. Uh, it feels very energetic, and it feels it feels like you're reading. If it, that makes any sense, it feels like you're reading the actual comic book. Uh, it has a very comic booky tone. Yes. To it. Uh, it she. she uh, what's her name? Um, Patty Jenkins. Thank you, Patty the Jenkins, director. the director. She does a phenomenal job. It looks beautiful visually. It's incredible. Um, I cried a couple of times, and Aww. yeah, it, it's just emotional, uh, and it's beautiful. And I have to say, I don't know if has 
a lot to do with what we've been through in 2020. Uh, the message, you know, it may be corny every now and then, but at the same time, I feel like we all need to listen to what yeah, we yeah. listen to. Um, again, I don't want to give anything away. I'll, I'll, I'll pass it on to you in a minute. But the, uh, she, Gal Gadot, my God, that woman is absolutely gorgeous. And she, I feel like she's, she's the, she's the Superman version. Um, what's his name? Christopher uh, Reeve. Yes. yes. Thank you. Christopher That's, Reeve. I wrote that in the review. I do feel like she is. She embodies that character. That sense so, of goodness. So well, yes, she, and she's beautiful. The costumes are incredible. Uh, new costumes are introduced that I didn't know about. You had to explain to me. The screaming chicken armor. Yeah. <laughs> you can talk about that. Um, um, Chris and Wig is awesome too. Um, she, I think she does a great job. Playing, I do too. I playing do too. the evil character. I do. I mean, uh, I have some issues with the well, film, which I'm actually not going to get no, into no, here. Right. You can read the review. Right. This is more just a... But anyway, I, I, I think <clears throat> overall, I think it's a great entertaining experience. Uh, for, I agree. For me, at least to me, particularly. Um, and I, I thought it was great. I, I loved it. I loved it. And I can't wait to, uh, you know, uh, see it again. Yeah, I, I um, again, we had a, a, a screener. screener that we were able to watch on TV by hooking up a laptop to our TV. But I really do look forward to watching it on um, HBO Max. Right. On, uh, well, we're actually going to have to hook something up to our TV again. Again, yes. God, well, that's the thing with H- anyway, HBO Max. Anyway, let's not get into that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the f- good things about the film. And I have a lot of good. It's totally recommended as your holiday viewing. Honestly, it's just perfect holiday viewing. It even has a Christmas moment at the end of the film. Um, as Lorenzo said, there's a huge moment. Patty Jenkins knows that uh, the she she knows what parts of the first film affected uh, female viewers uh, in a deeply emotional way, and she tries to hit those beats again, um, knowing that. And this is I said this to you in that opening scene. I was like, Patty Jenkins understands exactly how to do this character uh, to her fullest potential on screen. Um, and I remember when the 2017's Wonder Woman came out and the No Man's Land scene causing all these women in the audience, I mean, all these female critics wrote about it crying, crying watching that scene or crying watching the scenes of the Amazons, you know, uh, you know, going into battle together and kicking ass and everything. Um, and... Patty J and I've always understood well, as a fan of that character going back you know decades and decades I've always understood that used to argue this back on the nerd boards in the 90s that mm-hmm. you know if someone could bring this character to her epic roots and understand that if you tell her story a certain way women will get something out of that story that they never get out of those stories um, the sense of epic female heroism the opening scene on Themyscira in in the second film, it's this big Olympics tradition. And I was so happy to see that because, um, you know, the Amazons in the comic book, the Wonder Woman Amazons, yes, they're known for being great warriors, but the way they were devised by Wonder Woman's creator, William Moulton Marston, in 1942, um, is that they... Uh, they were tremendous athletes and their, their right. culture prized uh, Olympic games and they constantly, and the original origin of wonder woman is that she won the Amazon Olympics and she won the right to wear that costume and leave the Island. Uh, but that was taken out of the film 
the first film, so in she left the island because she wanted to escape. So it was a different version. But in this second film, she got to show you that aspect of the Amazon culture. You got to see Hippo, uh, Hippolyta again and Antiope, Robin Wright. They made small cameos. And um, it's gorgeous. It's a little too CGI at times. It, it doesn't have the weight of those Amazon scenes in the first film. But... Um, you kept saying, oh my God, this is gorgeous. This is so breathtaking. And I said, you know, I remember saying back 20 years ago on the nerd boards that <laughs> if you did Wonder Woman right, if you did her background right, the whole Amazon Themyscira thing, it's basically Lord of the Rings, except everyone's a woman. Uh, and that's the value of that character. It's not, I know that, you know, Black Widow is coming out later this year at some point. And, um, you know, the Captain Marvel movie with Brie Larson came out. So, I, you know, it's not like female heroism and female superheroism is all that novel anymore. Uh -huh. But uh, Wonder Woman is that character that is, I mean, she's freaking Aragorn. She's Luke Skywalker. She's has that epic scale. She's not just a superhero who is a woman. She's an epic hero out of an epic poem. Like, that's her background. That's So if she's done right... That's what happens. That's what you get on screen. And Patty Jenkins understands that. So the best parts of the film are the parts that allow both the character and Gal Gadot to be completely, in a very corny way, inspirational. Right. In that, And that's why the Christopher Reeves Superman was so iconic, is because they just let him be uncomplicatedly good and inspirational in a very corny way. And he was able to sell that. If you look at someone like... Um, uh, Chris Evans playing Captain America in in the Marvel films. That is an an a good character, a character that is defined by his goodness and his heroism. But I would argue the difference between him and someone like Superman and Wonder Woman is that his um, there's pain in underlying his heroism. Like he's been he's a man out of time. Everyone he knows died, and uh, you know that sort of thing. There's an underlying tragedy to Captain America's heroism. Um, and he carries that pain of being a man out of time or whatever. And that was in Chris Evans' portrayal. But characters like Chris Reeves' Superman or Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, there's not a lot of pain underlying that. There's, you know, they had to say goodbye to parents and parents die and then they become heroes or whatever. But ultimately they do good because they can, not because of any other reason. That's what Superman and Wonder Woman are. Very uncomplicated are heroes who are just good because goodness is good. They were right. devised for children and the best cinematic versions of those characters. There's a reason Linda Carter's Wonder Woman, that was not a well done show by any stretch of the imagination. Uh -huh. But the reason that character resonated for so long, for literally generations, that version of it, is because Linda Carter played her completely uncomplicated. She was just good. Because goodness is good, and that's that. When you do that well, um, it can be very entertaining. You don't need totally to complicate yeah. these heroes. You just—they're good, and they're inspirational. Uh, and Gal Gadot is luminous on screen when given the chance. And um, Patty really Jenkins is, yeah. is, as a woman director, she's able to light up Gal Gadot in such a way that is not male gazy. Like, there are times when Gal looks stunning yes. on screen, just stunning. 
and there's nothing exploitive or, or weird sexual about it. About no, there's uh, when the focus is on her body, it's because her body is doing athletic. something. It's athletic. Yeah, it's and when fitness. and otherwise, the focus is almost entirely on her luminous face, on 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 how charismatic Gal Gadot can be. So. Um, yeah, you're going to enjoy it. It's an enjoyable, fun film. It does not reach the heights of the original film. Uh, and part of that is because there is no origin story. There's not a lot of time spent with the Amazons. And the backdrop, the backdrop isn't World War One, which is much, much more yes, epic. Yes, I agree. I it's totally a different agree. style of film. And it's very much deliberately done in the style of an 80s action film. Uh, there's a little bit of the Richard Donner Superman films, a little bit of like you know, war games, those kinds of like sort of suspenseful world, you know, geopolitics and everything. Very much that sense. Um, Chris Pine's wonderful in it. They have tremendous chemistry they do, together. My God. They they're, are just they're amazing together. Yes, yeah, they are. They are truly like, you know, Tracy and Hepburn on screen. They're that good together. And he's funny. He he's is just funny. great. He's just great uh, on camera. <laughs> um so highly recommended, but I will uh we will be posting a more involved review, yes, which won't course. spoil anything. But we'll get into some of the criticisms uh, of the where the story goes and some of the other cast members just did, weren't all that great. But that's all I'll say on that. Yeah. Um, so next. Let's talk briefly about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yes. Um, which is out now. You may even have seen it. It's on Netflix. It's on starring Netflix. Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman in his final role based on the August Wilson play. Um, I didn't know... I have to say, I didn't know anything. About I had her. never seen the play, so I—I I I mean, I had a general understanding yeah. of what the. I think I, there was nothing about the story that surprised me. I was like, "Yeah, this is kind of what I thought it was." Uh-huh. About. And I kind of like when I don't know much about the character or the actual person. Um, then I read a lot later about her, uh, but it. It's I, not necessarily a movie about Ma Rainey. I mean, she is one character in it. Yes, it, it's but more Chadwick Boseman's character is just as important. Go ahead. It's, it's more about the time and being black and, and a singer and all being that. Being a black creative. Yes, at the black time, artist. going through the process and and trying to uh, you know be an artist in in a white world. So it's and at the same time, white people wanting. As, as, to exploit them. To exploit you, as as Viola Davis's uh, character says, you know, they want my voice. Uh, the great. I just want to say the great thing about Viola does. Can I jump in? Is that all right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, Viola's amazing in this role, and I don't know if this is by design or not because I really didn't. I haven't seen the play, and I haven't seen anyone else embody this role. But she plays Ma in a manner that makes or made me think and you know i maybe these were my assumptions but i thought in the first beginning in the beginning part of the film that she was strung out mm-hmm. that i thought oh i guess she's got a drug problem or something because she just lumbers through scenes with these half-lidded eyes and she's blunt in a way that almost comes off like she's drunk and then you reach a point in the story where you realize that's not the case at all. That's not the case at all. She's fed up and she understands what's, how much she's being exploited or people are attempting to exploit her. Mm-hmm. She makes all these demands that come across as almost unreasonable until she starts explaining why she wants each one. And you're like, yeah, she's, she is using the only power she has which is the fact that her talent is so great, people can make money off of right, it, right. to 
bend the world to her will. And in order to do that, she has to just strip herself of any niceties. So she's blunt to the point where you're like, what's wrong with that woman? But there's nothing wrong with her. No. She has to navigate a world that forces her to be that way. I think Viola Davis, oh my God. Stunning. Amazing. She she is amazing. She does a phenomenal job. You can't not look at her the entire time. Um, The way she moves her body, I don't know if she gained weight. She did. She gained a significant amount of weight for that. But she looks amazing the way she moves her body, the way everything about her, the, the costumes are beautiful the lighting everything about it is great yeah but what really caught my attention was the makeup uh the makeup is insane uh uh, it's a collaboration with makeup artist sergio uh lopez rivera um he is phenomenal i mean she looks amazing the way they lined her eyes lined her eyes her eyes her her sweaty face and and the uh, lipstick everything is just beautiful absolutely beautiful about it um Chadwick Boseman, of course. You I know. just want to jump in on the makeup. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. I just want to say that what I really loved about her makeup is that 1920s set films do not go all the way into what 1920s yes, makeup yes, trends yes, were yes, like. Yes. They don't go all the way. When you think, even though this is set in the 1930s, most of it was set in the 1930s, look at um, Amanda Seyfried in Mank, uh-huh. and then go look at what Marion Davies looked like. Even And there's a resemblance, but Marion Davies had the bee-stung lips and the pencil freaking thin eyebrows that look like the McDonald's arches, because that's how it was done back then. Um, and it's hard to replicate that for a modern audience because it can look so ghoulish and weird to yes, our eyes. Yes, yes, In the case of Ma Rainey and Viola Davis, it they went all the way. Like, if you look at pictures of Ma Rainey, it's like, yeah, that's what she looked like. I mean, she had the heavy, heavy black eye makeup and the pencil-thin eyes and the gold-capped teeth. Um, but they really went all the way into it to the point where it might look a little grotesque, but right. it's actually kind of... There is a certain chicness to it, almost like a heroin chic to it. I think it's phenomenal. But it's, it's on point for the decade, right. which is rare to see in that right. in that kind of work. I'm sorry. I, and I mentioned on Twitter, I said, it, and that's how I phrased it, I said it's the makeup is amazing. And some people were like a little surprised when I said amazing when you look at the pictures. It's or, not Vogue cover no, amazing. But it's amazing in the sense that it, it it's just beautifully done. Yeah. The concept is absolutely amazing the fact that these two got together viola davis and and sergio uh, lopez rivera you know to come up with that right to go for it as you said and it's and i think it's beautiful because we have i think when it comes to makeup and hair and and even styling the way you dress and so on we're so uh conformed to a certain style and a certain way of doing things right that when you look at something like that you you automatically you think it's wrong but it isn't it's no. perfect and it tells you so much about that yes, character yes, as soon absolutely. as you look at her. It's phenomenal. I and and I think it's great that it, it says so much about her style, um, the way she looked back then. Mm-hmm. I love it. I did too. Chadwick Boseman, um, yeah. career making, ironically, career making performance. Um, he will get nominated for. Though I can't imagine they both won't be nominated. Right. Uh, I'm pretty sure Chadwick is a lock on a nomination because of course he's a lot about him. This the year. movie is a lot about him too. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, um, it's a, an attention grabbing part and he takes it and runs with it. He never lets go. Right. It's, I don't think it's an easy character to play. 
because he's given to a lot of speechifying throughout the the whole. Th- it is a play, and they didn't do much to change that. It True. has a very theatrical feel to it. So uh, he talks a lot. I, I feel <laughs> like that's fine. Sometimes right. that works, and sometimes it comes off a little stagey. I know when we talked about Boys in the Band, the Netflix adaptation. That felt very stagey in an unnatural way. Right. But um, the conversations that were happening amongst the male musicians, the way one of them would step forward while the other three would step back, it's very theatrical, but it didn't bother me. Mm -hmm. Um, Mainly because I felt like they were all being true to their characters. Chadwick Boseman's character dominated every conversation. So after a while, the other men in the scene would just back off him because... They were annoyed with him. So it would allow him these scenes of great exposition and, and these monologues and everything. He is, um, you know, I will say he is distractingly thin. It's hard not to see him in his sure. illness. Um, and I think that tends to color the performance in a lot of ways. But I don't know. Is that something I'm bringing to it because I know he died? Or I don't know. But it's a very poignant Mm-hmm. And powerful performance. And, um, oh my God. To, well, to go from superhero to that, like, look what he would have done. I know. He was go- He was I on know. his way to yeah. being, like, world-class acting legend. An amazing star. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just an amazing anyway. actor with such a... Like I said, that's a difficult character that he plays, but that character had such a light in him, like, that just he beamed forward. I know um, certain themes he's talking, his eyes just sparkle. Exactly. And you, you can't help but think, my God, you know, that light is not there anymore. Yeah. It's, just, it's just awful. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I think you're paying a, a, a tribute <coughs> here when you when you watch the movie. And you oh, absolutely. I mean, yes. you should watch it to enjoy that final performance because he clearly, right. clearly put everything into it. And it's a beautiful performance. Um, so I... <clears throat> I have nothing critical to say about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It's it's um, it feels like a play, and that's not bad. That's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. Um, and everyone involved, like all of the performances, Coleman Domingo was great in that. Um, Glenn Turman was great in that. Um, it's, it's just worth watching. It's worth your time. The costumes, uh, her makeup, uh, even the music. There's not much. But there are at least two or three songs. I don't know who did the singing. I'm pretty sure that's not Viola Davis's voice. Um, right. uh, yeah, that I don't know. But when they're recording the, the song, it's amazing. It's gorgeous. I, I didn't know that they, they when they recorded and if it went wrong, they would have to toss the... It's the, scratched the out on a disc. Yeah, it's so crazy. Funny. I mean, it's awesome. I, I, I highly recommend it. Okay, I'm going to just jump in and get uh, real pissed off at The Mandalorian. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, this is last week. The season ended, and I've been sitting with this all week, and I'm like, yeah, I don't I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Spoiler, so if you want to jump ahead five minutes to the discussion about Bridgerton, do so now, because I am going to spoil the ending of The Mandalorian Season 2. And here I go. Uh, the, it, you probably, you might've heard if you follow this thing, anything going on in pop culture, because everyone exploded last week when Luke Skywalker appeared in the last five to 10 minutes of the season finale of season two. Now, uh, part of what defined the Mandalorian as a star Wars, uh, franchisee or whatever, is that it was set apart from all of the films. It's set in the same universe clearly. And, um, it, there were 
various homages to the films. They would return to location, like Tatooine, they would go to Luke's home planet. They did that in the first season. But for me, that was the enjoyment, was that they were exploring other parts of that world, of that universe, um, that it wasn't about the Skywalker family. And as of all last season, it wasn't about the Jedi at all. In fact, the Jedi got mentioned in the final episode of last season, and the Mandalorian doesn't even know who they are. Uh Um, This season was largely about the Jedi, and it it kept circling closer and closer, and I didn't predict it, but as soon as it happened, as soon as Luke Sky was like, oh yeah, that's pretty much where they were leading with all of this, wasn't it? Um, And it's, I hate it. I hate it. I know that a lot of people were thrilled. A lot of fans cried. And, you know, because he kicks ass in that 10 minutes. It's a young Luke. It's a de-aged Mark Hamill. Uh, He looks plastic and rubbery. His eyes are completely unfocused because Uncanny Valley, it never works. They tried to do this with Carrie Fisher in Rogue One. It was scary looking. And now they're doing it with him. And it's just, oh my God, they're just going to beat these characters to death. Even after the actors die, they're still going to be trying to resurrect these characters. Uh, you have a whole universe there. I swear, I know we're not supposed to make these comparisons, but God bless Star Trek. It's, they're not obsessed with Captain Kirk. They have moved past <laughs> all of it and created a whole timeline and worlds and captains and ships apart from its original stories. And Star Wars, it's just... For the, as rich as that universe is, and as popular as it is, they just can't seem to get away from those original three films. Um, so I found this a huge disappointment. I felt all season long, it was a really good season, excellent season in a lot of ways. But all season long, as it, like, um, uh, Rosario Dawson came in as uh, Ahsoka Tano, which is a character from uh, the peripheral, from the, basically the Star Wars cartoons. Clone Wars, and I think Rebels. I never watched them. So for me, I I was like, yeah, they're going to start bringing in all these like franchise characters that I don't know. I don't know if that's what I want out of this show. What I loved about last season was you never heard of any of these people before. They were all brand new. And you could tell whatever story you wanted because they weren't tied to anything else. And that's probably why I liked it. Yeah. um, But now they're bringing in these characters. And... It was clear if Rosario Dawson was brought in for one episode because they were going to spin her off to her own show. And they did. That was already... They announced something like 10 new shows. Oh, my God. Um, and there's going to be a Boba Fett. Spin, you know, Boba Fett was in half of this epi- uh, season. So now he's getting... I hate it. I hate all of it. And it took something that I felt was the freshest take on Star Wars in 30 years. It was the most exciting thing. And now I'm like, I don't even care about season three. I hate it. Mm. Yeah, and even, I really enjoyed this season. But as it started bringing in more and more elements, I was like, yeah, this is going in a direction that I don't love. And the minute Mark Hamill's weirdly de-aged face appeared from under that cloak, I was like, nope, hate all of this. All right, we're done. I, but I want to hear if anybody else felt the same way about that. Yeah. All right, can you hear my voice? My goodness, it's so dry. Um, so I'm going to have to we're gonna talk turn about- on all the taps in a minute no we're going to talk about bridgerton you yes go. which um we got the screeners a long time ago long time ago um and i was like mm, i don't know if i like it i don't know if i want to watch this so i postponed it as much as i could and i saw the first two and i was like you gotta watch it it's so, trashy but you're gonna like, I was like it i don't know I, I can't i can't take another jane austen type of thing anymore um he was hysterical uh, laughing in the first but five my minutes. god i watched 
I, w- I finally watched them, and I couldn't stop laughing. Everything about it is so freaking amazing. It's <laughs> so it's over the top. Aw- aw- it's awful and awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's just phenomenal. I love it. Uh, I never read the books. I know some people read the books. Uh, uh, I didn't even know it was a book uh, by Julia Quinn. Um, so anyway, people... And I, some people comment on on Twitter when I mentioned that I uh, that I had watched uh, some of it, um, that uh, they love the books and they feel. Someone actually said that that they feel that the, the <coughs> excuse me, that the the adaptation is actually going to be better than the books. We'll see. Um, I it I love everything about it because I'm so tired of those Jane Austen type of movies. And believe me, I read all her books. Love her. Love everything about it, but it, it gets to a point where we're like, enough. Let's move on. This to is something a very else. horny take on the Regency period. <laughs> this is a very fresh... everybody's gorgeous, uh-huh. under say twenty eight years old, and horny as hell. The and men are beautiful. The women are beautiful. Everybody's gorgeous. People masturbate and they have sex. Yeah, and and, and it's everything. I the costumes are. Uh, very are completely historically inaccurate, yes, but they're and, gorgeous. And but that's what the costume designer wanted to do. Uh, Alan uh, Mirajnik, I believe that's her name, um, right? I think so. Anyway, she said she wanted to reinterpret the uh, Regency era. Yeah. It. She said, "I don't want to make it look. I don't want a Jane Austen thing going on here. It's completely." Her creation, right? Uh, I mean, you get a little bit of the time, but it's of course. But there's a lot of ball scenes. It's right. like it's a it's a series like that where basically every episode there's one big ball, um, and the music it's period appropriate. It's like classical music or chamber music, except it's all Shawn Mendes songs or Ariana Grande songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I you know. have to listen. You don't realize it, and then you're like, wait a minute, that's it. That's- See, I'm a I'm. I play the violin, you know, I'm, I love classical music. So when I, when they start dancing and, and, and the, the chamber, uh, group started playing, um, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. It's (laughs) all contemporary music reimagined. I know. So you like, they're playing the violin and and it's Ariana Grande. It's phenomenal. I mean, as a musician, I was like clapping. I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. And in perfect Regency drama manner, it all centers around titles and marriage. Um, but it's way more um, obsessed with sex than you've ever seen. In a, right. Than you're than you usually see in a story like this. Um, and gossip. It is all gossip based, which again is a very Austin esque sort of flair. But it's it's much more Gossip Girl than Jane Austen. And in fact, it has a Gossip Girl like conceit because um, uh, Julie Andrews never appears on screen, but she narrates every episode as Lady Whistledown who publishes this gossip sheet about the goings-on <laughs> in high, London high society, which and, is where this all takes place. And the way she narrates, it's... Hilarious. You can tell she's brilliant. having a, uh, so much fun with it. She's really she, like oh skewering God. her own image in every a lot of ways. Word, when she talks about the bitches, and right. the way she t- says every word, I mean, she's just perfect. She's yeah. just perfect. Everything is so... It's funny and not, hilarious. Uh, I mean, uh, the show executive producer Shonda Rhimes, who of course is an Uber producer, um, gave us Grey's Anatomy among other things, um, and she is someone who really knows how to craft addictive television, which is what this is. This is not prestige masterpiece theater, Merchant Ivory style. It is an addictive. Um, so you know, popular. people bristle when you use the term soap opera because a lot of critics use it in a derisive sort of way. But I mean it in a good way. It is yeah. a so like Mad Men was a soap opera in a lot of ways. Um, 
it's just a, sh- a sprawling story about people who have base needs and desires that are dressed up in extravagant ways, and you watch them play out. So it's about money. It's about uh, prestige. It's about sex. It's about love. It's about marriage. It's about gossip. Um, it's about very basic concepts, and everybody looks amazing. Um, and like I said, there's a ball in every single episode Everything because is- that's what they, you know, it's it's almost, you know, it's a different period, but like it's Downton Abbey on steroids. It gives you everything that you want out of this with all the dials turned up I to mean, 11. I mean, one character is doing cocaine. <laughs> no, she was doing snuff. Oh, so, okay. It was so snuff. I thought it was no, no, it wasn't now. coke. Okay, but anyway, it's just <laughs> these things, you know, like they really show everything. Yeah, and I mean... The other thing is of uh, great note here um, is that it is a diverse cast, a multiracial cast. Yes. And I don't mean like there's black footmen. I mean, there's one of the main characters is a Duke and he's black. Um, and there are ladies uh, who are black and, you know, ladies of title. Um, and it, I was actually a little surprised. I don't know if you got to episode five where it's actually sort of, referred to and explained why there are all these titled black people. Um, And it actually, I know it's not particularly historically accurate, but uh, they, it's sort of an alternate history and they explain it in a way that I'm not going to get into here because it's not until the fifth episode Um, and acknowledge that Mm -hmm. they are black people in a very white system and so it allows them to talk in this sort of, you know, it is a fantastical sort of alternate history way, but it allows them to, um, typical Shonda Rhimes, it allows them to explore some uh, issues that black people, fe- like racism and stuff like that, in a different way. You're having people talk about racism basically in a Jane Austen novel, um, in a semi-fantastical way. Uh I don't want to get into more than that because I think that unfolded. I was like, oh, that's, I did not expect them to go there. That's kind of interesting. Um, but yes, it's all these ball scenes and it's lords and ladies. And, in you know, there's black faces dotting, you know, in right, tiaras right, right. and stuff like that, dotting all the ball scenes. And several of the main characters are black. Um, so that's an interesting thing to see. And I think it's handled in a way that's, I wasn't expecting it to be handled at all, actually. I thought it was just going to be, this is how we're telling this story. But actually, it it piqued my interest when they actually did address why there are all these black uh, you know, people with titles. Well, I'm going to ask a, a stupid question. Are they in the book? Uh, are they? I'm pretty sure the books are written that way, to that be way? So they this are modern black. take, okay, this great. multiracial take on on basically period dramas. It, it's very entertaining. I was laughing out loud. I mean, seriously, laughing out loud many times. Um, Polly Walker. Oh, oh my God. God. See, Polly I... Walker. Okay. Um, <laughs> Atia yeah. of the Julii. We fell in love with her like so many people did when she was in the late lamented HBO's Rome, which ended like, God, 10, 15 years ago. I have ago. to watch the whole thing again. Um, and even today, we still say her line, okay, I'm here, you stupid, you crazy bitch, what do you want? Um... And I kept, I had already seen it. I had already seen the first two episodes and I was like, Lorenzo, just watch it. We're going to want to talk about this. People are all going to be talking about this when it drops at Christmas time. Just watch it. Just watch it. And I kept saying, Atia of the Julii is in it, but Lorenzo never listens to what I say. So he's off in the bedroom watching it last night. And in the first 10 minutes I hear, oh my God, it's her. (laughs) And I was like, I told you like three times. And anyway, (laughs) 
I, uh, if there's one her. thing Polly yeah. Walker can play, it's a stressed oh out God. bitch. Yes. Uh, and she is just so much she's fun to watch. Amazing. In this. Uh, she's amazing. She's <laughs> Rome. If you never watch Rome, HBO Rome, please do. What I do like about her character, it's interesting, is that um, she's not really a bitch. Uh, she's very, very concerned with getting her daughters married off correctly, as all the mamas, as they refer to in the story, are. And she is, she takes in a relation, one of her husband's relations, against her will. She doesn't want this girl in her house. And the girl is um, played by an actress who is black, or a person of color. I believe she might be, I think she's presented as biracial in the story, because she's related to a white family. Um, And she has a whole romance, she has a whole scandal story of her own. But what I found interesting was, Polly Walker's character doesn't want her in the house, kind of treats her badly, and then you realize it really has nothing to do with race at all. It has, it, and she takes a turn where you can tell, she does some stuff that is kind of villainous, there's no getting around it. But it's honestly because she has this girl's best interest at heart, and she would do the same thing to any of her daughters. You kind of feel like there's some underlying racism in the first couple episodes when they're together and then i don't know i just feel like the character wound up being more nuanced right and she wasn't just a you know a soap opera bitch she's operating in a system where she's got to get these girls married off i when i when we first got the screeners and you know the press release and all that i thought it was going to be maybe the book is i don't know uh, just too much focus on the two main characters but it isn't uh everyone series everyone gets their own everybody everybody is it plays a big part yeah uh and they're all good they're all funny some of the sisters and the siblings they're all they're all hysterical all the brothers are super cute the brothers are freaking gorgeous i even said i was like i'll say this on a podcast the men are actually better looking than the women in this in a lot of ways of course there are beautiful women in this but um this is sort of an outlander style thing where it's it's a television show that arose from a book that was written uh, by a woman for for female audiences, so um, the gaze is female, much in the same way that Outlander uh, is as a television show. The gaze uh-huh. is female, so there there's just a lot of beautiful men in this. Um, what's his name? Reggie Jean Page. Yeah, Reggie Jean Page. Jesus, he's yeah. beautiful. What he a is face gorgeous. on him. Um, he's the main love interest. Right, and, and then- I just want to say I, I couldn't get into Outlander. I tried for a long time, and the fandom really turned me off. But when I was watching this, I was like, "This is." I realize that they're different animals. But this is why I couldn't get into Outlander, because it has no sense of humor about itself. Yes, yeah. It takes itself so seriously, whereas this is just it's fun. fun, fun. It's just fun. The whole thing, you can tell they're just, you know, some... And it's fun, because some, it goes from mocking the, the error to sort of, like, embracing it, and then back Critiquing to... Critiquing mo- it yeah, as well, it, yeah. It's just, it's awesome. The, um, every gown is gorgeous. Yes. Every suit yes. the men yes. wear is stunning. Every room is drop dead. I don't know where this stuff was shot. I don't know if those are sets or what. Um, it's just, it'll be perfect for Christmas Day, I am telling you. Just sit I, down and watch it. Right. I, I was just going to say that it's perfect entertainment. I do feel my only criticism is that I feel that the male characters are not written as well as the female characters. Because it's a female-centric right. story. So, but They are there to be pretty and complicate things. But I don't have a problem with that because in generally, I, I prefer uh, female characters. Right, uh, right. Anyway, so I don't have a problem with that. Um, but 
It's a lot of fun. Um, Julie Andrews, my God. Yeah. <laughs> everything, everything about it. Uh, all the, the actors, they're great. They're great. Um, yeah, I highly recommend it. I do. I highly recommend it. And I've we only are seen going five of eight episodes. Talk more about them. On we will. Um, the I'm not. I can't. A couple people, have, a couple TV critics have gotten in contact <laughs> with us and said, you guys are going to do pieces on the costumes, right? And. I, I, we're not going to do like analysis of the costumes like the way we've done with other shows because a I don't know Regency at all. I mean I know it from Austin films, but I have no base to write about it. And b I don't really think it lends itself to that sort of. Uh, it's Disney. Review, like the yeah. costumes uh-huh. are Disney princess almost. They're so over the top. Um, but we are going to feature them because they deserve to be. You need, you, they do. They yeah, do. they deserve to be spotlighted. Everything is beautiful about it, about the show. Absolutely the gorgeous. The way they, it's just, yeah, the actors are great. Everything, is, I mean, if you just want to watch something for fun and, and laugh and, yeah. and look at pretty things, that's the show. Yep, I agree. So I, I believe we have it. rung out yes. all of our topics for today. Yeah, so if you do celebrate Christmas... Uh, I hope you have in a, whatever way have in a whatever one. way yeah please we missed wishing have a great time. Uh, happy Hanukkah to our listeners and readers so belated yes. I apologize happy also someone Hanukkah. we're asking uh, we 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 still have a we're still plan we still plan to have a podcast every week it's just that this time was very very it's such a crazy yeah. time we're actually yes. um, moving the podcast forward in the week doing it on Fridays doesn't Probably, work for us yes. Um, and we will be back next week uh, after Christmas and before New Year's to do a sort of a year-end wrap-up of yeah. pop culture, fashion, well, My point celebrity. is that we do intend to continue weekly. So yes, it but it'll probably be on Wednesdays instead of Fridays, which is better for all of us. So, yeah. So, I'm... happy holidays to all of you. We will yes. be back before the New Year, so we will be back to wish you all a happy New Year next week. But... Um, if you are observing or celebrating in any way, please enjoy yourselves. Please take a moment to uh, just reflect that you're here and That's that you true. made it. And that um, this this period that we're in is coming to an end. There is light at the end of the tunnel. So, uh, And I want to thank all of you for seeing it through with us this year by standing it's by true. us. So we appreciate it very much. Very much. Love you. I mean it. We'll be Love back you. next week. Until then, bye-bye. Bye.